0: You are now entering the world of a movie review. A world full of drama, joy, ridicule, movie spoilers, unpopular opinions, and adult humor for as far as the eye can see. Welcome to An Evening at the Movies. Hello, everybody. Welcome to An Evening at the Movies, everybody's favorite movie-based podcast where we eat stale popcorn, drink watered-down sodas, and talk about all of our favorite movies and why we love them. And if you know the intro, you also know we also talk about the horrible movies, too. Not that often, but we do not movie shame on the show. So with all of that said, um, we are officially kicking off holiday season 2023, and if you remember correctly, last year we did not do holiday movies very much, if at all. So I think we need to load up on the holiday movies this year, big time. And we're going to do that with this movie. But before I get to the movie, I need to welcome in our guest for the night, who is making his debut on the show. Welcome, Joshua.
1: Hey, thank you. I, um, I'm excited to be here, Casey. You know I love movies. I love Christmas movies this time of the year, and I'm excited to sit down and discuss one of my favorite holiday movies.
0: I mean, this is... We'll get into my whole thoughts on the movie. I don't necessarily want to you know, give away the whole thing before we even get started, but we're going to be discussing uh, incredibly stupidly funny movie that just happens to be a very underrated classic. We're going to discuss the Arnold Schwarzenegger holiday movie, Jingle All The Way. (laughs) Bit of a controversial movie, that's for sure. Yeah. People tend to either love it or hate it. There's not much kind of in between. I mean, I get the whole aspect of why people might not necessarily get behind it. Right. I also get, you know, other reasons why they may not enjoy. I mean, there's definitely multiple aspects that can be attributed to why people may or may not enjoy this movie. And I'm sure at some point one or both of us will bring up most of those. But um, before we get going, really quick, I need to give the background information. Um. Do, 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 do. Jingle All the Way released on November 22nd, 1996. It was directed by Brian Levant. It was released by 20th Century Fox. Had a $75 million budget. And made $129.8 million at the box office. Wow. Uh, I remember seeing this movie in the movie theater, and I still didn't feel like it was that big of a box office. But well, One thing I do want to point out
1: since we're discussing this is the fact that space jam premiered the week before on the 15th. And Mm -hmm. so that is something to take into account when looking at the box office of this movie, I feel because anytime you have two kids movies going against each other and one with Looney Tunes and Michael Jordan, I mean, it's a
0: classic, you know, that's definitely going to take some of the thunder. Oh, easily. And I mean, We haven't discussed Space Jam yet on An Evening at the Movies, but I am very set in my mindset that it is an amazing movie that I enjoyed thoroughly, and I did go see Space Jam on opening day when it came out. Oh,
1: I love Space Jam. It's definitely one of my favorite movies. Uh, When you get ready to do it, man, if
0: you need a guest, let me know. Um, I definitely will do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see what else we got for background information. Oh, yes. So, um, in case you didn't look it up, um, this is the portion of the show where we discuss the Rotten Tomato score. Um, would you like to wager a guess as to what its Rotten Tomato score is? Boy,
1: I would have to guess it's going to be pretty low. I'm going to guess it's going to be in that rotten area. Um, I know it definitely got nominated for some Razzies, at least one Razzie in several stinkers. So
0: I'm going to put it below 30. You would be correct. All right. Um, okay, for one, the Critic Tomato Meter. Uh, gave it a 20% on 46 reviews. And the on 100,000 fan votes, it has a Rotten Tomato score of 39%. Ouch. So, <laughs> the fans got it a little bit more right, but still, neither score is a very, very favorable score at the end no. of the day. So, um, and then if anybody wants to check out, um, jingle all the way and take a trip down memory lane, uh, you can find it on Disney plus right now. That is correct. That is where I watched it. Same here only because I know I have it on DVD and for the life of me, I don't know where it's at because, um, I'm pretty Sure. I don't know the official number, but I've got probably close to several thousand DVDs to go through, and even though I have everything logged on a list on my laptop, it still takes forever to go through that freaking list to find (laughs) even where things are. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So, first question of the episode. Is there anything in particular about this movie that you absolutely, positively fell in love with?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Turbo Man. Just the concept itself. Um, I loved it. You know, Growing up, definitely was a huge Power Rangers fan. And just the whole idea of like, the toy in the movie, what it could do. I was like, that looks cool. I want one, you know? Um, so I absolutely fell in love with that. Um, It's also the reason for one of my favorite scenes of the movie, which is the big tentpole action scene at the end that I'm sure we will get into later, so I won't go too much into it. But that's probably one of my favorite aspects of the movie, Um, only second to it being one of the movies that Arnold does, where he kind of plays an average guy. He's not super commando, he's not out there hunting predators, he's just your regular average bad dad. (laughs) and i like him playing that role and just happen to be a big guy versus being like the tough action
0: guy well too and you i think you got to remember this is probably fairly early in arnold's comedic movie presence i mean right you know I, it's around the time he did the 3 cuz he did
1: twins kindergarten cop and junior you know, those along with yeah. this one are kind of his
0: more comedic
1: roles that he did. Twi-
0: I think Twins came out in the late 80s, and the other two were early to mid 90s. And then this probably was the next one. So these are probably the first four comedic roles that he really did. At times, if you put him in the right environment, Arnold could be a really funny actor. And I think this is one of those times that, um, like, so one of the fun facts that I found while researching and doing my notes for this is the fact that, um, Sinbad was not the first choice to play Myron. That's right. It was, if I remember correctly, one Joe Pesci. That's right. Yeah. After his turn on home alone,
1: they knew he could play a pretty good villainous role and they were going to go with them. But, people felt like he was not big enough in stature physically to match Arnold. And so his agent, Arnold's agent, suggested Sinbad um, because Sinbad was about the same height, same build. And yeah.
0: Well, Yeah. I get it too because there's some times throughout this movie where Sinbad and Arnold are going back and forth and beating the crap out of each other. And when you have, no offense... But little people, Joe Pesci. Right. Big, muscular Arnold. To have him physically beating up Arnold, to me, it doesn't really seem that believable. Right. I mean, there's ways that you could get around it and make it more, you know, he has to devise like Home Alone type tactics to take out Arnold. Yeah, they could have made it work. They could have, but at the same time, you know, I think the dynamic between Arnold and Sinbad worked really well, and the fact that on top of it, almost everything that Sinbad did in that movie was actually all improv as well.
1: Most of it wasn't many of his in Arnold's lines together. You know, one interesting thing about the Pesci thing is, I look at a lot of scenes and a lot of the dialogue, and I'm like. I could totally see Pesci saying that, which is really interesting because most of it was ad log. but um, one thing that I find that I feel like wouldn't have been as good about the movie if they went with Pesci is Sinbad being a family-friendly milby guy, especially coming into this movie, you know, Mm -hmm. off of House Guest and some of the other films he did, you know, they were almost kind of scared to cast him because of that. They're like, how can he play a villain? But he actually felt that he would bring sympathy to Myron. And I felt like he did. I felt like even with all the things Myron did, there is a part of me that still liked him. You know, I didn't loathe him. And I feel like Pesci would have got to the point where I'm like, I loathe the guy. I want to see him just get his comeuppance, you know?
0: because, well, I mean, I've grown up with the whole shadiness that is, like, Leo Getz from Lethal Weapon. Yep. um, (laughs) Joe Pesci in, like, Goodfellas and Casino and movies like that where he's a hardcore Italian mafia badass. Right. And at the end of the day, if you put him in that role, I'm not going to have the same emotional feelings about him by the end of the movie that I – So – we're just going to rip the fucking bandaid right off from the get go. And this movie is like literally almost 30 years old. So if you haven't seen it at this point, sorry, not sorry. Right. At almost three years.
1: Spoilers. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I was going to say at almost three years old on this show, you got to know that we're spoiling shit left and right. So, but I mean, there's a heart to, the whole character of myron i mean he's not doing the, I mean, he's doing this to be as good of a father as arnold i mean arnold's trying to be a great dad for his son right myron's trying to be just as great of a dad for his son and not be a disappointment right it they just so happens that, it's
1: just one ends up being the protagonist and the other one ends up being the antagonist yeah.
0: One pushes the envelope right to the edge but doesn't go over the right. the other one pushes it right to the edge of the cliff and then fucking jumps. <laughs> yes, yes. The one the one that jumps is Sinbad's character, Myron. But still, I mean, if you fully understand and grasp the concept of where he's coming from as a parent, I don't have kids, so I can't speak to that level. But like I have two nephews that are probably right about the age of Arnold's son mm. at this point so I mean I get the whole fact that especially this time of year I want to give them you know whatever their heart desires for Christmas but at the same time it's like they're also getting to that age where they want like the switches and the tablets and the, all of this expensive crap and Uncle Casey has not made a fucking money. And I'm I'm not going to give in to the commercialism of consumerism of Christmas. Because that's probably one of my least favorite parts of this season is the fact that... um, Especially starting last Friday, with last Friday being Black Friday, you hear all the horror stories about people going to the store at three o'clock in the fucking morning to get the great deals and the fights and the people getting trampled on and all of that. I have never ever gone shopping at three o'clock in the morning on black Friday. I will never go shopping on black Friday at all because I'm not going to contribute to that. But it's like seriously, um, corporate America needs to, not push their fucking agendas down everybody's fucking throat, and create all this freaking chaos. Because to me, this chaos is what ruins the freaking holiday, and it's not what the holiday is about to begin with. Well, but yeah. I mean, you got at a the same time. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say that at the same time, this movie does a great job of satirically, ironically approaching the subject and making fun of it, and you get to laugh and enjoy a topic that can be very frustrating for us as adults. Absolutely. So I mean, you know, I appreciate that these... 100%. Yeah, definitely.
1: Cause I mean, you know, it's uh one of those movies that just takes that whole idea of consumerism toys being sold out. Um, and it just, it, it takes it to that extreme. You know, I'm, from what I remember, Randy Cornfed. Is it cornfed? What is it? Corn Let me look it up here. I got it in my notes. Cornfold? Cornfield. <laughs> but it's spelled with a K. Randy Cornfeld, the guy who wrote it. You know, he based it off of the sellouts that they had of Power Rangers, sellouts that they had of cabbage patch dolls. And then um, Chris Columbus, the producer, he did some rewrites based on experiences. He had trying to find a Buzz Lightyear mm-hmm. toy, but I feel it's hilarious because the one thing that I compared the most to actually happened around the same year that the movie was put out, and that was the situation with Tickle Me, Tickle Elmo. me Elmo. Oh yeah, <laughs> like you yeah. know, if you grew up during that time I, I frame, think you already remember Elmo was.
0: Yeah, fuck Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> right? It actually was the same fucking year too, which is why exactly. I remember it so clearly. Yep. <laughs> Because it's like this movie came out and it's making fun of like people beating the crap out of each other for a fucking toy and not being able to find the toy anywhere in any fucking store. And then, yeah, you literally go shopping at this time and you walk into the freaking like Walmart and there's literally like, no, tickle me. You could find like a tickle me cookie monster or whatever, you know, kind of sort of like you could find. In the movie, you could find all the damn booster dolls that you wanted. Hey, hey, nobody likes booster, okay? Yeah, fuck booster. <laughs> but yeah, you couldn't. Obviously, you couldn't find a damn Turbo Man anywhere in the world, right? <laughs> but I mean, I even remember going into some stores where they did some of the same things in real life that they did. Right, the lottery jingle all the way. Though you walk into the store, and you know, you if you wanted you know, uh, Tickle Me one at the time, you could get a freaking lottery ticket and at a certain time they draw freaking numbers and whoever got their number drawn, that was who got the limited number of Tickle Me almost that they had. So you know, there is a lot of realism to this movie, but I thank God that um, the studio and Christopher Columbus and uh, Brian Levant and Arnold and Sinbad and everybody that was a part of the movie did such a great job of making a joke out of it because without the humor I can really see this movie just being a complete and utter letdown and I mean even as low as this score is, could you imagine if you take the humor out of it Oh yeah, how low the oh. score could have gotten
1: Oh, it would have been terrible I mean, We're talking
0: I mean... negative freaking numbers on Rotten Tomatoes
1: Right. Well, and it's the fact alone that there's humor helps it, but the fact that they then take that humor and they go in this surreal, almost Looney Tunes slapstick way with a lot of the humor, especially some of the violence, and there's quite a bit of violence in this movie, but it's done in such a cartoony way that yeah. it really just, it helps that tone of like, oh, this is terrible. This is what's wrong with society. But then the next minute, you're laughing because Arnold's punched a reindeer. <laughs> or midget. Well, even,
0: even like the whole scene, like the first time that Arnold and Sinbad meet each other outside the mm-hmm. damn store, the first time. And then they get to go in and we open the doors, and everybody just freaking steamrolls through the fucking door. And come to find out there's no Turbo Man dolls, they're all gone. And all of a sudden, somebody, you know, yells out that, you know, there's some down the street or whatever. And they all turn around and it's like, they're trying to get the hell out the door. Or an old lady just walked out the door with the last one. And they're all like, ooh. So they all take off to go. And, like, Arnold gets taken out. And then he gets up and he commandeers his kid's remote control car. And he's steering it in the store and takes out Sinbad. And you get the whole... Woo! And he goes freaking <laughs> heels to ceiling. Oh, poor baby. And then Arnold takes off running. I mean, it. they went to the right place with the humor and I can't reiterate it enough. So, I mean, without this humor, this movie is just going to be a complete emotional letdown. And hats off to everybody. I mean, not even just Arnold and Sinbad, but even like the other aspect of the story with like the Phil Hartman character being the aggressive, perverted womanizer <laughs> that he is.
1: Yeah, Phil I mean, Hartman, he yeah. helped make this movie. I mean, his character, Ted, he plays that role so good where he just he comes off snarky and you just immediately you're just like I don't like this guy.
0: (laughs) Well, and even like it bleeds his dirty pervertedness even bleeds over to like the kids too. Like I think it was towards the middle of the movie. Arnold's out trying to get a turbo man and he calls home and his kid answers the phone. He's like, I need to talk to your mom. And Jamie's all like, I can't, she's outside petting Ted. Yeah. Ted, spoiler <laughs> alert, is 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 the well okay? Ted is Phil Hartman's character, who's the womanizer. But they also named the pet reindeer Ted too.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the movie, he wife's pet out reindeer. petting the reindeer. <laughs> yeah.
0: But Arnold, Arnold doesn't know that because Arnold's been out all freaking day trying to get a Turbo Man doll. So he doesn't know that there's a reindeer named Ted. So when his son tells him his mom's outside petting Ted. She thinks it's some perverted freaking sex game and he gets pissed off and offended. So, I mean, I can't necessarily say that I blame him. but
1: You can't blame him. I mean, Ted's a habitual line stepper throughout the movie. He's eating Arnold's cookies. He's putting lights on Arnold's house. He's in the house putting the star on top of the tree. All while constantly, you know, pervertedly hidden on the mom and also getting the attention by all the women in the neighborhood. (laughs) Because Ted had it going on. I mean, he was a pervert, but they all loved him. They're like, Ted, can you come over and work on my sink? I got the tool for that. (laughs) You know, like, I was like, okay, Ted, I see you there. But, uh, yeah, Arnold definitely had reason to be upset.
0: Everything that came out of Ted's mouth was some kind of weird perverted
1: innuendo. Yes. Her cookies are so yummy. (laughs) Like this guy, Ted, man.
0: Spoiler alert, that may pop up before we go off the air on this episode. not going to say whether it will or not, but it might, so stay tuned for that as well. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, no, and even, like, the studio worked out a deal with Walmart, too, as well, to kind of sort of create a toy hype around this movie where um, they struck a deal with Walmart, and they actually sold 200,000 Turbo Man dolls in Walmart. The year that the movie came out. So
1: they only made the 200,000. And funny enough, a lot of people gave them crap because they're like, you guys made this movie just to sell a toy. And funny enough, this was basically one of the few merchandise items that they had because of the fast production of the movie. They weren't able to do a lot of merchandising compared to most kid movies at the day. And growing up back then, I mean, watching Saturday morning cartoons, we had ads after ads for every kid movie thrown at us. Um, speaking of Space Jam, which came out the week before, they had so many toys available. So much merchandise
0: available. Toys, clothing, mm-hmm. everything.
1: Oh, yeah. And all well, we got was uh, trouble, man. Athletic we didn't even get... equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't even make Booster or, um, what, what's the bad guy's name again? I know Myron, but was it was Dr. Demento?
0: Yeah, I think it was. I literally just watched it again last night, and it's you know, escaping my brain. I You're almost going, wrote
1: the name Dr. down, so the I'm world. like, I'm going to forget the name of this bad guy again. And sure enough, I <laughs> should have wrote it down. So looking at it right now, Dementor. Yeah, Dr. Dementor. <laughs> Close enough. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So one interesting fact I did come across when I was digging into the production of the movie is how Arnold came about being the star of this. Apparently, Arnold was going to star in the
0: remake to Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I would say Arnold was not who they had in mind the first time. Well, even if he was the first person they had in mind, he was actually slated to work on Planet of the Apes, but because of production delays, he was actually able to get out of Planet of the Apes and join the Jingle All the Way cast. So, right. Right. Speaking of which, though, if you guys have never
1: read the spec script for that version of Planet Ace, of it was called Return of the Apes. It was by um I want to say Tony Hayes, but um amazing, hilarious, interesting. What could have been? I mean, it was a time travel thriller dealing with bioterrorist apes and Arnold riding around a flamethrower, steampunk-style tank. Um, if you haven't read it, look for it, read it. Fantastic. <laughs> Back to the main thing.
0: <laughs> I might have to go look that up after we get done. Well, no. It won't be right after we get done with this, because I have a date with Monday Night Raw as soon as we're oh, done yeah. with this. So, but... Um, Let's see. Uh doo, 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 doo. Were was there any memorable like quote type moments from the movie that jumped out at you? Absolutely.
1: Let me look at my list here cuz I had a couple that were some of my favorite. I mean, of course, my absolute favorite quote is probably the quote everybody talks about the most. It's in your name. Put the cookie down. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the one everybody... One hundred percent. know. <laughs> but I like some of the throwaway one-liners. Like, there's the scene where um, Howard, Arnold's character, is getting his car to go shopping. And Ted, he's sitting there giving him crap. And he's like, Howard, they say it might get icy later. You might want to wrap some chains around those tires. And... Howard just kind of mumbles under his breath. I should wrap some chains around you. (laughs) I mean, a lot of those little one-liners there are pretty darn funny.
0: Well, and it all boils down to the chemistry between Arnold and his co-stars as well. Absolutely. Um, You don't necessarily get to see it as much with between him and Rita Wilson, Mm -hmm. but because that, I think to that point, you don't really need the comedic chemistry between the two of them. You almost have to have that dramatic no, kind Reed of chemistry between them because point there is the um, uh, conflict. Further the drama.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, because you, you get very, very early in this movie, you get the whole aspect that Arnold is a workaholic dad who doesn't keep promises very well to his family right so you know you kind of sort of have them. to have that yeah even oh yeah even to the point that's one of my favorite lines in the movie is he's sitting there and there's like this call montage where he's like going through all this stuff you're my number one customer you're my number one customer and then his wife calls and he's like i'll be at the karate thing blah blah blah, 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 blah. i promise you're my number one customer and it's like that's not your your number one customer, fucker. That's your wife, damn it. Where's your head at? Right.
1: Well, and that scene leads to one of my other favorite gags in the movie. Now, one thing I never really thought of until I rewatched this yesterday was one of the other things besides the comedy and the chemistry between um, Sinbad and Arnold that really takes this movie and knocks out the park are the side characters. Those little one-off characters. Usually it's a pretty nice cameo, too, that we get. Whether you're talking about Jim Belushi, Santa, Martin Maul's radio personality guy. Um, But my favorite one that appears throughout the movie is the cop, played by the late Robert Conrad. So. Yeah, he's just great. And we get the first scene with him as Arnold's running late driving through traffic and decides to drive on the shoulder and speeds past a motorcycle bike and this cop comes over <laughs> and, and, and pulls him over. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Arnold tries to explain, hey, I'm running late to my kid's karate, and the cop's just not having it. If anything, it just pisses him off. You're not above the law. And he pulls Arnold out the car, and then just that running gag of every single time him running to this cop and just uh, causing more mayhem. It's, it's hilarious, and has a great payoff, too.
0: Well, I mean, it's like every time something bad is going to happen to Arnold, it seems like that cop is in some way, shape. I mean, you have the karate moment where the cop pulls him over and I will say this, I've actually been pulled over while I was running late to work before and tried to play the whole I'm running late and I need to get to work. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you should have thought about that because if you weren't fucking speeding. You wouldn't be, be sitting here right now getting this ticket. And right. at the end of the day, now you're going to be even that much more late. So, but at the end the same time, you go back to the movie though. I mean, they take off to go try and get turbo man. He backs into the cop's motorcycle um, the at the radio work. station <laughs> when yeah, at the radio station. Um, Martin Mole ends up calling for security, and they send the cops, and he's one of the ones that shows up at the scene. You know, right? He's a part of the movie literally throughout the whole step of the process, from going from you know the beginning of the movie all the way even to the end of the movie where. Um, right, we've already terrible. spoiled a lot of it, anyway. But, <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, because that's the thing is, you know he's trying to get this turbo man doll for his kid, but ends up dressing up as turbo man in the parade that they're at and ends up saving his kid's life. And the cop walks up behind him, doesn't know who it is. And, you know, makes a statement, you know, thank you, turbo man. We need guys like you on the force. And then Arnold smiles and turns around and the cop's just like, Oh fuck. Really? You come on. And, <laughs> It's like every time oh, the cop does something, it's all because of fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Right. Right. I love that scene too because Arnold turns around and he just has this big grin. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry about the bike and I'm sorry about the coffee and I'm sorry about the bomb and the guy can't really do anything because Arnold's the hero right now. It's just one of those great payoff yeah. moments of a scene and I love that kind of thing. I love that kind of attention to detail, that little joke that runs throughout the movie. Um, It it makes the movie that much better.
0: Well, and at the end of the day, it works its way throughout the entire movie, but it's not like it's... I don't feel like that joke is overdone. Right. Even though it's there every so often throughout the entire movie for an hour and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, that definitely works out in its favor, big time. Um, uh, let's see if there was um, uh one of my other favorite ones, lines from the movie that I had, um was. Uh, Myron Sinbad's character, when he goes off about they sit there and use subliminal messages to suck your children's minds out. And I know what I'm talking about because I went to junior college for a semester and studied psychology. I'm, again, with the fact that a lot of his lines were completely improv. Right. So, I mean, to just have those moments throughout, and even that's only one of, like the times that he literally just spirals off out of nowhere and creates a completely epic line. I mean, seriously, we're, what, 35 minutes into this episode, and we've talked a lot about stuff that's happened through the movie, and if you haven't watched the movie yet, I highly recommend you go and watch it because just alone on the performance that Sinbad gives, it's worth the fact that you could go and get a Disney Plus subscription right now for like two ninety nine a month for like the next six months. So I highly recommend doing it. Not that Disney is paying my salary by any stretch of the imagination, but they should. And if they do, I'll gladly publicize the mouse on this show, but at the same time, fuck the mouse.
1: <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm right there with the because it's one of those movies that I think everybody kind of, they either have missed it or they don't really give it much mind. You know, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And let's face it, it's understandable. There's some mm-hmm. great Christmas movies out there. There's some great Christmas comedies out there. Um, and this one, it's sometimes corny enough to be on that B-movie level of corny. But I think it it's, it's what gets the movie heart. And I've never watched it and not laughed. And so it's one of those ones, if you want something that's going to make you laugh, it's definitely one of those. If you're a fan of Arnold, definitely watch it. I mean, it's it's a good movie.
0: It's got some memorable moments. Uh, For people that know me, um, and hopefully Amanda will listen to this episode and definitely second this statement, but people know I'm not a huge Christmas movie fan. I do have favorite Christmas movies, but there aren't very many of them. Um, This movie is definitely one of them. Um, Especially as far as comedies go. The other favorite Christmas comedy actually will be coming up in uh, two weeks. Um, We'll be discussing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, so... Love that movie. Spoiler alert. Tune (laughs) into for that one, too. I mean, even as much as I love the comedy in this movie, it's no match for the comedy in... Oh, none at all. (laughs) None at all, dude. That's
1: the top one right there for me, man. Like, I love that. I'm actually hosting a movie night at my place next Friday, and we're going to watch that.
0: Um, We have a rule on the show that we will... we will definitely revisit any movie that any, that we've already done because by definition, we honor the fact that not everybody is going to have the same feelings or emotional connection to a movie. Right. But um, this, ep- this episode coming up in two weeks where we discuss crucification will be, I believe the first time. We revisit a movie on the show. Oh, nice. So, um, it's definitely a worthwhile movie to get a revisit because, right. again, a lot of people will connect with this movie in different ways than some people will. And at the end of the day, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say anything bad about crucification.
1: Yeah. I think it's one of those few movies out there that most people, even the people that aren't a fan of it, don't hate it. They just, it's not for me, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's definitely not those overly... And So, people, please don't hate message me for this because I'm not trying to be disrespectful by putting it this way, but it's probably the best way to describe it. It's not those overly sappy, dramatic like A Christmas Carol or It's a Wonderful Life or Miracle on 34th Street where you have that big melodramatic you know, you have the darkness throughout the movie and then all of a sudden you have the Rainbow of Hope ending at the end. And, right. You know, it's just you you can get happy endings even in these two movies Chris, being Crystal and Jingle all the way. But you're going to have fun in the roller coaster along the way, getting from point A to point B to point C to point D, and then, you know, everywhere in between. So, um, I don't have a whole lot more in my notes. Um, Was there anything else that you maybe definitely wanted to cover before we get to our overall reviews? Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: so, one thing I did want to point out, um, as I was talking about like some of the really cool cameos we have in there, there is a cameo from an early Vern, Vern Troyer in there. You know, matter of fact, it's an uncredited cameo. He did this uh, movie a couple mm-hmm. years before he would blow up as Mini-Me, but he plays the little, small, midget Santa um, I apologize if that's not the right term to use, but he plays the little guy Santa that jumps on Arnold's head, and um, yeah, in a pretty memorable scene where the big giant Santa, played by Paul White, also known as the Giant or AKA yeah. the Big Show, um, and it's a hilarious scene where Arnold's in the middle of this big brawl with a ton of Santas, and <laughs> this giant Santa is getting ready to just take him out and this little Santa jumps on his head, and he's trying to choke him, and as the guy goes to swing, Arnold ducks down, and you see Wayne Troyer's little Santa just go, Whee! flying backwards into these boxes. And it's one of those moments. I mean, I don't think many movies would do that today that are a kid movie, but uh, man, I just, I laughed and laughed and just couldn't stop laughing for a while. It's just so hilarious.
0: It's obviously well overdone Mm -hmm. and not very realistic but at the same time that's what makes it funny oh yeah
1: and there's many of those moments like that throughout the movie Um, there's the scene where him and Myron are in the diner waxing about their losses and Myron's telling him his story about growing up and not getting a toy from his dad and uh (laughs) Boy, that's another good scene there. He goes on this rant about this toy, Omega-8 or something, but the guy has this gun. It's like seven different guns, and he describes and does sound effects for each one of the guns. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. That's a great scene right there. That's another one I like. But during that scene, as he's even, explaining... even while uh, he's
0: doing it, he's like he's Arnold imagining it. his son as yes, being yes. Myron, and he, he's got the alcohol... Or the alcohol bottle, and he's drinking. Yeah, little, long like would
1: Skywalker. Be. <laughs> Throw him back, exactly, bro. <laughs> in this Melman outfit, and he just actually tips it back. <laughs> I'm just like, man, this is such a movie of its
0: times. <laughs> I mean, by most standards, if this was to be released like today, it'd get canceled in a freaking heartbeat
1: just oh, on that alone, aspect like... alone. How dare he feed the reindeer beer? Let him punch the reindeer and give it a black eye.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then you get the whole like image of an eight or nine year old kid actually drinking. Right. I mean, even though it is like a mental picture in Arnold's head, it's still, right, I can right. see people. Oh, they're they're condoning child drinking and it's like that's not the freaking point but yeah exactly. you know, that's how people look at stuff now that society isn't looked at with the satirical wink wink that it needs to be looked at not judging but right you know to each their own well
1: and you know going back to Jake Lloyd I feel like he did an excellent job. I mean, he's a kid actor and playing a kid. I mean, you know, a lot of people look at that like, well, how hard was this job? But, you know, there's many times you get that child actor and they're either very amateurish and wouldn't, or they overdo it. And he stressed that line of playing that role perfectly, even when he has the more dramatic bits of like the time where Arnold and him are on the phone talking, you never keep your promises. What would you know about that? You know, and I feel like he did a good job, but he wasn't very annoying. And a lot of times, not going to lie, in some of these movies, I find the child actors to be very annoying. I'm just like, hurry up and finish and get off the screen. But in his role, I did not find him to be overly annoying. I felt he did a very good job. Now, his uh, friend, Ted's son, on the other hand, <laughs> that little kid got on my nerves. <laughs> yeah. Maybe your parents should get a divorce.
0: And... Yeah. It's like, who the fuck encourages their damn next-door neighbor slash buddy to have their parents encourage their parents to get a divorce? No! That's just all not right. cool fool.
1: No, not at all. I haven't watched the movie the whole night. I just kept calling him. It's like, it's little Cartman. <laughs> it's Cartman. <laughs> just kept reminding me of Cartman, man.
0: <laughs> that probably is a very good analogy for who that kid reminds me of. Uh, Yeah, and then uh, one other
1: thing before we get into the main thing that I did not want to point out is just also the filming. Um, You know, the majority of the movie was filmed in the Mall of America. You know, all the mall scenes were filmed in the Mall of America. Uh, Matter of fact, they even did the premiere in the Mall of America on the 16th. Um, Arnold enjoyed his time filming this movie a ton because of that. Because he got to go shopping in between filming. Um, He enjoyed it so much so that when they did the premiere he donated some of the props for the movies to the Hollywood cafe that was or no, Planet Hollywood. Sorry, I was mixing that with a Hard Rock Cafe. But to the Planet Hollywood that they had in the Mall of America at the time. And then the rest yeah, was actually, filmed in California on a few of the sets, um, studio lots that they had out there.
0: I've driven by or been on a bus and ridden by the Mall of America. That place is fucking huge. Oh, it, it looks was, like it. I think it. That's probably the biggest mall I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know how people can go shopping in that damn place. <laughs> to each their own. Right. So um, so as a whole, in the grand scheme of things, what are your thoughts on the movie as a whole? You know, as a whole, I think it is a really cool
1: window into a period of time. Um, consumerism is still there. It's still a lot of greedy people out there. Um, as we were discussing earlier, yeah, there's it, still a lot of people out ain't there. ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. But it's very different now than it was back then. I mean, you know, Black Friday sales are still, you know, having people going out to stores super late at night or super early. But it's kind of chilled out as far as the in-person. Matter of fact, a lot of grocery stores that used to stay open all night actually close early on Thanksgiving these days. Um, but. I think at the time for getting that right, these places, they were big, they were crazy. You know, the fact that like this movie came out in that same Christmas, we had the tickle me almost situations, people fighting over things. You read stories about people having their dolls stolen. Um, you know, I think it was a very good window into that time period, um, but done a way to kind of make you laugh. So you're thinking about it, but you're also saying, Hey, you know, what's really important and kind of Arnold gets, you know, hey, family's more important, I just need to be there, you know. Um, and I think it's interesting because while the movie doesn't try to be orally, o- overly moralistic and actually have this, like, he learned his lesson, you know, he does learn a lesson of, like, okay, you know what, I need to do a better job, um, kind of, <laughs> this movie does have to make credit scene that I think is hilarious, and I really wish they would have made a sequel about But We'll get to that. But, yeah, overall, I think it's a cool window into the 90s, how things were going in the 90s. And that's not just for the consumerism part. That's for the comedy. Some of the aspects, like we talked about, that you wouldn't see done nowadays, like a kid drinking, animals being hit, Mm -hmm. um, some of the fight scenes. It had some great choreography that I feel like just really took this movie over the top, whether we're talking about the Warehouse Santa fight or we're talking about the set piece at the end during the parade where Arnold dons the Turbo Man outfit on the parade float. And then Myron's character ends up donning. I got to look the name up again. Um, Dementor. Dr. Dr. Dementor's outfit. And they have this cool fight. You know, there's Batarangs being shot. You know, he used the rocket fist. There's the little Power Ranger-esque chaos demons that come out. You know, and of course, Booster. Hey, those aren't the lines. Nobody likes you, Booster. You know, but they have this cool battle. It leads to probably the most cheesy scene in the movie, but I forgive it because it just matches the tone. And that's where the suit Arnold's wearing has a full-fledged working uh, rocket pack, and he, <laughs> he just rockets all over the city. Of course, he doesn't know how to use it. He almost falls a couple times. He ruin somebody's Christmas dinner <laughs> or Thanksgiving dinner, but it, it's still a really great scene. Um, and so, beyond the between the set pieces, the comedy, the cameos, I think it's just a really great movie that just doesn't get enough credit for being what it is, and that's entertaining.
0: So, if you had to give it a score out of five, with one being horrible and five being completely amazing, what would you rate the movie? Oh, easily, I would give it a four.
1: You know, um, actually, you know what? I won't say easily, and I'm gonna revise that. I give it a three and a half because it's a good movie. It's definitely better than average, but I don't think it's a amazing movie, and it definitely is not a five. But definitely solid three and a half for me.
0: So. As far as my thoughts go, um, mm-hmm. like, um, like we've talked about throughout the entire episode, this movie completely satirizes everything that I hate about the commercial consumerism of the holiday being Christmas. Um, but at the same time, this is a completely fun, enjoyable movie that you can turn on and just enjoy and you don't have to really think about what you're watching. Just... Mm-hmm enjoy the fucking ride. Um, It makes me laugh. It makes me smile. And the dynamic and chemistry between Arnold and Sinbad is out of this fucking world. As far as my rating goes, I mean, again, like you said, it's not obviously a five out of five movie. Um, I stop and think about you know, some of the other movies that I've given a four or a little bit higher to. And it's like, I can't even put jingle all the way necessarily in that category as well. So I'll probably go three out of five like you. Yeah. and That's Which the is not a bad I'm score. Right. Yeah. It's not a bad movie and three out of five is not a bad score.
1: No, by any of the
0: imagination. I mean, if, if you average it out, you know, Like on an A, B, C, D, F scale, like report card style, you know, three and a half is probably about a C average, which is what this, which is what this movie is realistically. And you can love this movie and completely accept the fact that it's, if you want to truly think about the movie, it, yeah, it's probably a C average. It's an average movie. But that doesn't mean you have to. It, by acknowledging that, it doesn't mean that you hate it by any stretch of the imagination. You can. I love movies that critics have given, you know, absolute shit scores to. Oh um, right, I grew up loving. I grew up loving Howard the fucking duck, and that's one of the worst rated movies of all time.
1: Well, it doesn't mean that you know, I hate it. Mind. Yeah. Well, one important thing to keep in mind anytime you are talking movies, it's an art form. You know, yes, there's some entertainment but it's still a form of art. And like any art, it's in the eye of the beholder. So you can have a movie that hits all your buttons that you love, but still acknowledge it's not the best movie in the world. But for me, it's one of my favorites, you know, and that's kind of this movie for me. I know it's not a great movie, but I don't think it's a terrible movie. You know, it's kind of right there in between. But for me personally, it just hits so many notes of comedy with me that I
0: love it. Oh, exactly. And it's one of those Christmas movies that I if I put myself in the right mindset this time of year, I could sit down and watch it every year for the rest of my life and never actually probably hate the movie and get tired. Right. of it. So if You're at this point and still haven't seen the movie and still listen to the whole freaking show. Seriously, people, what the hell? But at the same time, um, I will highly, and I'm sure Joshua as well, will highly recommend you, as soon as this episode is done, because we're almost done anyway, but finish listening to the episode and go turn on Disney Plus and go watch this movie because it's one of those movies that, you will laugh at you'll find something to laugh at at some point whether you laugh uncontrollably like i do throughout the whole entire movie or whether it's just a moment or two throughout the movie you, let's be honest you'll laugh at something yeah yeah definitely watch the movie if
1: you still have doubt watch some clips on youtube man <laughs> you know um don't go watch jing all the way too. Um, I like to pretend that movie doesn't exist, but for this purpose, I'll acknowledge it does exist, but that one easily is a one out of five. <laughs> It'd be a zero or a negative one if that score existed. Not a good movie, and I love Larry the Cable Guy, but it was just, hey, we yeah. have this licensing. Let's make a movie, <laughs> you know?
0: Uh yeah, um, not going That's probably a negative five out of five for me. Yeah, it's
1: a terrible movie. Like, if they're going to make a sequel, in my opinion... There's a mid credits scene where everything's done. The family's kind of enjoying themselves. And the wife is just like, Arnold or Howard, with everything you did today to get that doll for Jamie, you really proved that you're a loving husband. And I just have one thought. What did you get me? And he kind of looks at the camera like, oh, crap. <laughs> and so, you yeah. know, for me, I'm like, man, how awesome would it have been? to see a movie set maybe during Valentine's Day where he's kind of in the doghouse because he messed up her Christmas gift and he's trying to make this grand gesture and here's Myron fresh out of jail dating the chick that he started talking to you know, pin pals with jail prisoners and they end up in this contest trying to one-up each other on romanticism. Um, and I think it could have been great and then they could have lambasted and satirized the hell out of the consumerism of Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know, but it's a little too late. At the late. end of the day,
0: let's be honest. It's like, Well, yeah, because they're way too old now to do that. Oh,
1: way too old.
0: But, I mean, Valentine's Day is almost as commercial as Christmas is. Oh, yeah, easily. So, I mean, yeah, that would have been an easy, easy sequel for them to do. Right. So, I think that's going to just about do it for the episode, though. This was right. definitely a, a lot of fun. Um, as always, I can't end the episode without a big hearty thank you to the dozens because them being here and listening each and every week is all the reason why we are rapidly approaching our third anniversary and 200th episode. So, um, thank you to them for being here each and every week. Um, so, j- just because we haven't necessarily approached the topic in the intro, Um, Would you like to let the listeners know about what you've got coming up podcastually, where they can find you?
1: Absolutely. Hey, so I want to thank you guys for allowing me to be on the show. And my name's Josh. And uh, coming soon, coming very soon, coming in January, the 20th to be exact, I'll be launching my own podcast called Toontastic Journeys. And uh, it's all about taking it back to that nostalgia of Saturday morning cartoons. We will basically talk about a cartoon each episode, the highs, the lows, and the in between that minutia, and just take it back to have that warm feeling of the big bowl of cereal and your favorite cartoons. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, once again, Casey, thank you for having me on. It's been a great evening. And it's been great reminiscing this movie. One of my favorites.
0: Definitely. um, Obviously, this was a great amount of fun. Um, And anytime you want to come back and pick another movie, you are more than welcome to come back. Um, Oh, yeah.
1: There will be another one before my next one, because we already have my next one scheduled for next October. (laughs) This upcoming one, but we'll do someone in between there. Maybe
0: more than one. (laughs) <laughs> oh I'm sure we'll probably do more than one oh yeah like that. so um, uh, with this with all of that said um, I'm not going to run well I'll run down a couple of the movies we've got coming up here in the next few weeks um, but there's a whole lot of stuff that's either already been recorded or is coming up um, like I said earlier we've got Christmas coming up in a couple of weeks um we've got Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix coming up in a, like the week before Christmas nice uh violent night and it's a wonderful life are coming up on Christmas oh. Day no, so no, we'll be doing a Christmas, movies. we'll be doing a Christmas double feature on the 25th so stay tuned for that as well um uh let's see chris and i will be discussing the program at the end of the month to kind of coincide with the college football playoff um and then coming up early in 2024 we've got uh my episode of the mummy as well as the fifth element and where the heart is with ashley so stay tuned for all of that as well yeah can i throw (coughs) one more thing out there jc do you mind Go right ahead.
1: Just want to also let y'all know to just be on the lookout. We don't have a date yet, but pretty soon, me, Casey, as well as CJ and DeAndre will be going season to season reviewing the Big Bang Theory. So be on the lookout for that one.
0: Yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that one. I am currently on pause with my binge on that because I'm literally on season five right now. Oh, you do. (laughs) I am trying to not be done. A long time before the rest of y'all. I don't know. Yeah, where... take your
1: time. I'm just. I just started season three this morning.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say Dre was on season three like two weeks ago, so right. I don't know where. I don't know. And I know that...
1: CJ's taking a minute because he's been having trouble finding it, and so I don't know where he's at. But I know he's kind of been struggling a little bit. He has a remedy, it's but fun. if he doesn't figure it out, I'll help him out.
0: It's on Max CJ. <laughs> just saying um but yeah definitely season to season will be coming up and as we get close to releasing that episode I will be letting the listeners know because um the new thing that we're going to be doing with season to season is we're going to be talking about an entire show in an episode or two um like the shows like Big Bang Theory that went on for like 12 years we're not trying to cram all of that into one episode so we divided it into breaking into two season, season one through six and then season seven through 12 so when those episodes are ready to release you will definitely get updated here as well as to when you can tune in and listen to all of our thoughts on that because big bang was my uh, chef's kiss for a TV oh, show. Yeah. i love it and i'm ready to talk about all things Penny Hopstetter. So, um, so yeah, with all of that said, um, I will thank everybody for being here. Thank you, Josh, Joshua for being here. Um, And I will thank everybody and remind everybody that um, we hope you guys come back for an evening at the movies. And before we leave, you all get a nice little Christmas present of a video montage. So, with all that said, again, thank you guys, and we will see you guys next week. Mm. Oh, Howard, excuse me, but your
1: wife's cookies are out of this world. What a. Who told you you can eat my cookies? Mm. Oh, these cookies! I gotta get the recipe from Liz. Put that cookie down now!